and I'm trying not to jump right to the end, but I think in all of these situations, um, there's kind of a lack of adaptability. You imbecile, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ecom Growth Show. Do I say hi now or do I wait? I'm pretty much brain fried at this point. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Ecom Growth Show brought to you by Shopanova. We take uh, Shopify stores from 100K minimum up to a million dollars per month. And today we are going to talk about how to scale while others fail. Gosh, that was a clean intro. And if you guys are just listening, I was actually doing hand motions while Robbie was <laughs> talking through that. So you'll have to watch the video as well. But yeah, Rob, I'm excited for today because we've been kind of smashing on the recession a little bit at recent yep. times and kind of tapped a little bit on brands going out of business. But today I think we wanted to kind of peel back the layers a little bit more and yep. see why they're going out of business. Yeah. Cause like you said, there's brands dropping left and right, right and left like flies. And, uh, you know, that's kind of scary to see, especially as a, as a Shopify store owner, who's really just trying to get traction. And if you've listened to other episodes of the podcast, there are people who are also scaling. So it's like, well, what's the difference? And we're going to really unpack that in the later part of this podcast. Um, but let's really let's really quick talk about a few of the big brands that are uh, no longer going to be around. Yeah, so starting with Lady Boss, uh, we've been reading up on this on their socials lately. So this mm -hmm. is their words, not ours. Just so you guys know, we're not here to destroy these brands. Just what we picked up on, and yeah. sad, sad, sad. But anyways, Lady Boss mm -hmm. uh, had an eighty percent increase in raw material costs. That's hard to avoid. Dude, that's a hard one to avoid. What, I mean, what do you do there? It's it's you tricky. Go of, you go out of business. <laughs> uh, advertising changes, unable to reach new customers. Data is the answer. Data is the answer there. Uh, drastic increase in fulfillment costs. Yeah. So, just, so does that mean like, okay, here, Rob, the first one and the last one at this point, does that mean every e-commerce store in America should be going out of business? Is everyone seeing an 80% in raw material cost and like no. a drastic increase in fulfillment? I wouldn't think so. No. There's got to be solutions. Yeah. Anyways, Rob, what's the next brand? Yeah. So Alex and Ari, um, basically they came into some real big legal complexities. Again, as we're kind of going through this, there's a few things that are um, somewhat inevitable. You're going to have some increase in costs, some increase in... Uh, fulfillment cost stuff like that but uh, and i'm trying not to jump right to the end but i think in all of these situations um there's kind of a lack of adaptability you imbecile rob <laughs> <laughs> you just, just you just, <laughs> i'm just kidding just all, all right fine let's not cover the other brands then no uh, i mean i think they're I, still worth looking at yeah i'm just kidding you're totally right because <laughs> it's hard it, i almost did it too on the first umbrella i'm like not going there <laughs> I'm not going to say what they failed to do, but let's read through Alex and Ari and what they failed to yeah, do. Yeah, well, I mean, they had legal complexity. Uh, they had executive changes, mismanagement, uh, couldn't adapt to online preferences, and eventually had to file for bankruptcy. But it's kind of like you're just throwing it all into you, you need to be able to adapt, especially when it comes to the customer acquisition and the the, the purchasing behavior changes. Yeah, yeah it's good. Uh, Revion, don't know who that is. Revlon. The makeup <laughs> <laughs> Revlon, okay. Massive debt load coming out of pandemic. 
disruptions in their supply chain. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Had to file for bankruptcy. That also sounds familiar. I think the big point of this is um, some people in the online space actually benefited massively from COVID-19. Yeah. They did not. And, and so that's a very true thing, too. It's it's like it depends on how it hit you and it depends on how you hit your brand. Again, <laughs> you just got to be adaptable because the, the market is always changing. And even the things that you believe are set in stone sometimes will change. Now, Bob, what happened to misguided? So, again, rocketing uh, supply costs, inflationary pressure pressures. Everybody's up against that. And then waning customer confidence in the increasingly competitive fashion retail space. That means they became irrelevant. Yeah, because there's a lot of people in that space that are doing everything they can to carve out a name for them in the middle of the change. Unfortunately, this is one of those circumstances where we see a massive shift in wealth. Yeah. Because that that never happens uh, in the status quo. It happens when things are shaking it up. It happens in a time of recession. And so for you, if you're looking to get your footing, um, understand that this is a great opportunity to be uh, filling the shoes of some of these big brands that are no longer around. Yeah. Also, shout out to Misguided. Uh, This is one of their shirts. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, I got this from Target. But anyways, with all these these businesses, the common thread is lack of adaptability Mm -hmm. they were unable to adapt to the pandemic to increase costs to customer preferences etc recessionary times shine light on the problems in a business so i'd like to propose to you something here robbie what's that these problems already existed at some level within all of these businesses maybe not the the increased in raw materials like all that Mm -hmm. but I think they were just highlighted by hard times. That's exactly right. That's all I had to say. I wouldn't even add anything to that because like you said, well, I'm not going to. (laughs) (laughs) It's true though. Um, The recession recession didn't didn't create those problems. They existed before, before any of that shaking happened. Yeah, totally. So what does every Shopify brand need to hit revenue records because we've gone over this multiple times. Like how is it some of our clients are scaling so hard and so rapidly taking so much market share amidst all of this. And we've Mm kind of distilled it down to five principles here. Is it five or is it more? It's going to be six. So darn it. The the first one uh, is going to be having a good brand, having good content, having a website that converts, um, an acquisition strategy, a retention strategy, and data. So that's going to be all six pillars of being able to to scale when others are failing. And so the first one, too, I think what's really interesting about about these six pieces of our growth system is that um, a lot of people try to figure out, why did my ads break? How come I'm not getting sales anymore? And for a lot of these stores, their whole business was built on a very simple acquisition strategy. They ignored everything else. And so that's the only thing people are aware of is that their ads broke when really there's, uh, you know, five, six of their business that, that still need uh, massive attention. And so one of, one of the places we start when we're looking at somebody who's saying that, um, typically the conversation goes like this, uh, your ads don't work because your brand sucks, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you think about running ads, that's a process 
of um, withdrawing relationship equity. You can't ask for an order and ask for a sale unless the equity has already been built. Now, yeah. if you rewind uh, when e-commerce was just going crazy, it was really easy to run some ads, get some sales because um, people weren't, weren't really used to that level of advertising, totally. that level of exposure for these brands. And they figure if I am seeing this brand this many times, oh, they must be legit. Yeah. And so they didn't have to build this relationship equity that, you know, all the big brands have been doing for years and years and years. They only knew how to run ads and ask for the order. So the key to this is you have a strategy that not only uh, has very good direct response marketing strategy in place, but uh, that also builds brand equity at the same time so yeah. that you're never taking that relationship, uh, that relationship equity account into a deficit. Because basically what you're saying is every time you're asking, asking for a purchase, you're actually withdrawing a little bit from your relational equity account. Is that right? That's exactly right. So you got to have the balance of both to where you're building both at the same time. So you don't completely deplete yeah. your equity. And furthermore, Daniel, this explains why uh, launching a new strategy typically works pretty good for a short amount of time or 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 uh, working with a new agency. You know, yeah. it'll work for a few short months and then it just inevitably tapers off and dies. Well, yeah. why is that? It's because they, they find pockets of relationship equity that they go and withdraw. They get all the quick and easy wins yeah. and then they never actually build that equity up again. And it's like, thanks for tapping out all the equity that I've spent the last uh several years building yeah. and now we don't have any way to generate they're orders. like eve bro eating the forbidden fruit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that low-hanging apple bro <laughs> <laughs> all right sorry moving on so your brand is the reason people buy from you i love how you explain kind of that duality is that the right word between relationship equity and direct response marketing that's not duality is it I don't think so, but you need both. You need both. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. So that's good. Uh, number two is going to be content. And we're smashing on this all the time because you have to create thumb-stopping images. I know you've heard that totally. before, but what do we mean by that? Well, let me put it this way. So we had a brand that we were working with in the Brand Velocity program, and we're trying to take them from, you know, 100k up to three four five 500k months and eventually to a million dollars per month but every yes, time sir. um we'd launch a new campaign and run it for a little while they were just uh plateauing off yeah. and then results were, were fading over time it was like we had to rebuild everything over and over again all the all the metrics in the ad account looked great you know yeah frequency all the click metrics didn't say we needed new creative but when we started refreshing creative at an ungodly amount an ungodly frequency, just like all the time. Yeah. Tons and tons of new creative. That was the key uh, for them scaling, not just up to those four or 500 K a month, but to now be at like an average of 1.5 million per month yeah. with high marks of, you know, 2.7 over November, stuff like that. Yeah. It did not lie. You know, them having the ability to scale did not lie in uh, new fancy ad ad campaigns, new funnel tech techniques, uh, yep. new scaling techniques. It was just about having very high quality content at a very regular basis. And this is what this brand is known for. Yep. You know, nobody's going to purchase anything unless they see or read something about your brand that's going to make them do so. And, and I think that's obvious. Well, if that's obvious, then why aren't we refresh, refreshing our ad creative super, super often? Yeah. And guys, it has to be 
disruptive. It just does because people are on social media mm-hmm. to disconnect, not to shop. So you have to be disruptive in your creative. Uh, and then that's obviously what's building your brand right off the bat. So it actually kind of feeds into the first one and brand kind of encapsulates all of these. But uh, make your customers your fans because of your content. Yeah. Yep, because like you said, that's one way you can just add value into that relationship equity account. Yeah, moving on. Moving on. So you have a good brand. You have really great content. Um, The next piece we focus on even prior to running ads is having a website that converts. I don't care how pretty it is. I don't care how uh, fast it loads. If it doesn't turn a shopper into a customer, burn the thing down and start over. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I don't care how many fancy Shopify themes you've purchased. Yeah, because we we talk about the different uh, leverage points we have. And out of anything, if you can increase your conversion rate by a fraction of a percentage point or a full percentage point, the long-term effects of that um, have so much more positive consequence than anything else you will do in your entire marketing strategy. It lets you spend so much more on ads too, Rob. It just does. And that's what makes you win over everyone else. The more you can pay to acquire a customer, Mm -hmm. the more customers you're going to acquire, the more you're going to win. Yeah. And I would argue that uh, scaling instead of failing really comes down to just pulling the right levers. Yeah. It's the small adjustments that make a big difference. When everyone else is spinning out, you know, focusing on all these things that seem important, you can pull the small leverage uh, that compound together over time and result in explosive growth. And I would like to even say that this lever is kind of big. Yeah. Could I say that? You could. You could. Yeah, it's a good lever, guys. <laughs> pull it. Website number three. Moving on, number four. Obviously, you have to have the first three right, but if you don't get traffic, you don't get sales, none of it matters. So number four is ACK. Acquisition. What got you here, though, will not get you there. Be innovative and optimize your acquisition. So we see this all the time. Mm-hmm. Brands scale to 100K a month. And what got them to that point was usually a simple Facebook ads funnel, maybe a little bit of Google, some email campaigns, scale, 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 yep. until that mark. Pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Rob, that's not necessarily going to get you to seven figgies a month, is it? I don't think so. Uh, and Not spe- in today's day and age, I'll yeah, tell you that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, especially in today's day and age, you know, in a in a post-iOS 14 world c- with consumer sophistication super, super high and with costs where they are, you just need to be better. And so I would argue that in order to have a, a successful acquisition campaign in today's day and age, you need to become a household name. Yeah. And they're like, well, how do I, you know, I'm just a Shopify store doing 100K a month. How do I become a household name? And the answer is simple is that um, marketing is all about perception. And yep. so you can actually create a, a unique experience for an individual user that would allow you to be perceived as this household name. And it's only done through a multi-channel marketing approach. Yeah. So when when I see this brand on TikTok and then I see a promo they're running on Facebook and then I see them over here on YouTube and Google and then I see, you know, maybe my some, some of my friends have been, uh, liked this page and then I see another campaign back on Facebook that's uh, doing this giveaway. All of a sudden you go from being like, oh, that that cute, clever, cool brand that I saw on Facebook to now 
you have this idea that everybody sees this brand, everybody loves this brand, and it only makes sense for you to love them too and eventually purchase from you. Yeah, that's so good, dude. And that just comes from multi-channel marketing, pretty easy to do. You mm -hmm. already know what's working because you, you have an idea of what's working if you're at 100K a month. Figure out how to plug that into other platforms totally. um, to lower your acquisition 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 costs i think you're right board. though uh, like 100 to maybe 350k is a very uh very interesting revenue mark because that's where all of the the single bootstrap strategies start to time out yeah so if you want to get up to a million dollars a month it definitely requires something very different yeah or in that case they're like well sweet i got here on this amount of ad spend to hit the next level i just got to double my ad spend and then they're like oh shoot i'm not profitable anymore right yeah that's the biggest mistake in it is you just think that scaling vertically is going to get you there whereas really you need to add some more breadth to it and scale horizontally not just in one single channel but horizontally across many hello <laughs> oh my gosh hey we're right in the middle of a podcast, but you and your mom keep calling, so I figure I better answer. Give her a call. Classic. <laughs> that was smooth. I hope it makes it into the podcast. <laughs> Number five, in order to scale when others are failing uh, due to the current landscape, you need to have a retention strategy in place. And this is often ignored mm -hmm. at the detriment <laughs> of the LTV, right? Yep. Because you have to get customers in, but then you have to retain them and sell them more and more and more on the back end without withdrawing that relationship equity. And a lot of times we see people have this simple email flow set up and we're like yeah. approach them say, "Hey, do you have email?" They're like, "Yeah, I got email. All yep. bases covered." Until we actually go in and show them what a real email campaign yeah. looks like in sequence. And I, I think that's why so many people get this wrong. Because once you've acquired a customer, the heavy lifting is done. The hard work is done. And so it's actually pretty dang easy to launch some campaigns, make a few bucks, and then say, hey, I got this dialed in. It's yeah. working. But here's the problem. Somebody who said that exact same thing, uh, Eventually, we got them to turn over their, their email to us. So it was on Clavio. We, we rebuilt everything in a matter of seven days of launching the new campaigns. We put an additional $85,303 in their pocket, you know, seven days because we did this, this cool launch to really revitalize everything. And now 30% of their revenue comes from existing customers. And I would say if and you're that's not kind in of that, a sweet spot, if you're not in 30 to 40%, like you're leaving money on the table, yeah, thousands of dollars. And that's so much profit at that point because you totally. already own them. But reinvesting into your current customer base is one of the, <laughs> one of the best ways uh, just to build long term into your brand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the easiest things you can do when when times are shaking. Yeah. You know, when things are a little bit shaky, re go go re-engage some of the people who already know you, who already like you and trust you and like your products. Love that. So number six, this one bores us, but it's so important. <laughs> and that is data, 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 data. That's become so important over the last two years specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, Rob, what do you got to say about it? Yeah. So I think a lot of people think they're a data informed company. Yeah. Um, but there's just so many nuances today of like, you know, are you operating off of real time data or is that already three to four days old by the time you're getting it? 
Yeah. Uh, is your data being filtered and congested by iOS 14? Are you doing the, the prop? Do you have the tracking uh, properly in place? And do you have a place where you can consolidate it all and um, reconcile the differences between the, the way the platforms just uh, report differently. Yeah, that's Because right. we all have different attribution windows, different attribution rules. And if you try to do this all through like a spreadsheet, what you're going to see is that everybody's trying to take sale for or tr take credit for the sale. And at that point, yeah. it's like I don't have anything to inform my behavior. Yeah. I would argue that data is only valuable to, valuable to you if it accurately informs your behavior in a helpful way. That's right. So look at the data, but still use your intuition yep. for scaling too is one of the points that Wyatt would make. Uh, Wyatt's our director of results here, but he's kind of the data geek here and he really goes into depth unpacking this. But since we've all gone multi-channel, all our clients have over the last year, this has become so much more important uh, on going from single channel attribution mm -hmm. to multi-channel attribution. Okay, maybe someone's coming in through Facebook, then they see a Google ad, then they see them on TikTok, and then they finally purchase through email. And they all work together to get a purchase, but you would never know that if you're not following that customer journey. Yep, totally. And I think in that, you're inevitably going to find uh, the roadblocks or the things that very efficiently acquire a customer. And then even beyond that, uh, Potentially, there are certain pathways into your company that result in a greater LTV. Yeah. You know, because th if people buy this product, you know that 39 day days later, they're going to buy this bundle and kind of kickstart a, a really awesome lifetime journey with your brand. Yeah. And so you need to be able to uncover those pockets so that you can invest in the acquisition strategy that is going to best lend itself to the long-term value of that customer. And that's yeah. the only way that you can be... Um, profitable, you know, for the long haul is, yeah. is by having all these pieces dialed in. And so Daniel, what actually ends up happening when you have uh, everything kind of dialed in when you when you have brand content, website, acquisition, retention, and retention and data all dialed in what what kind of ends up happening? Yeah, so like we said, those are the kind of the six pieces that every Shopify store needs to have in place in today's marketplace despite recession or in spite despite recession all the things cost of goods going up and the things we mentioned early on uh some of the clients that we're seeing once you have these dialed in so i'm just going to give a few client examples here uh one of our clients july revenue increased 322 percent compared to last year they went from 130k a month to 600k per month you're you're talking about in the recession they did that yeah post ios 14 in the recession during cost gets going up that's what they did that's impressive can i tell you another one <laughs> let's hear <laughs> uh bookish box super cool brand um they experienced 144 percent increase in quarter two alone of this year so from q1 to Q2, 140% increase. Yeah, and what I think what I love the most about this one is that we've been together through arguably some of the most difficult years we've seen. Yep. And, um, you know, they've probably scaled some of the hardest we, we've ever seen. Yeah. You know, when we were working together, they're at 100K to 155K, and now she literally has uh, life-changing results. Yeah. $2 million a month, you know, just, just a girl and her family. Yeah, dude, she's crushing it's it. Pretty, Super cool. Pretty life altering. Yeah. So then we have Dressed in Lala, who is up 
right around 100% in quarter two from quarter one. Doubling. That's Doubling, awesome. dude. In yeah. a recession. The close rack, they just broke 200K a month, which was their first goal. I think they were kind of right around 100K a month, maybe less when we brought them on, but we just doubled their business, uh, mm -hmm. their first goal. They're happy, excited, scaling. Yep. And I think one thing that's really fun is being able to use the uh, the small wins as fuel for the next one. So it's like, you know, maybe your end goal is $1 million a month or $2 million a month, and then eventually uh, a nice big exit or something like that, or maybe just existing in a business that you love and you can fund the life of your dreams and kind of thrive in that. But it's very powerful to be like, okay, well, I just went from 100K, now I'm up to... Uh, I'm up to 300k. Yeah. Now I'm going to triple again and I'm going to be at a million dollars a month and so you can just use these little wins as as fuel and yeah. encouragement to be able to, you know, get through some some rougher times and uh understand that there's frameworks too. Yeah. And I this isn't to brag on us necessarily, but this is the power of brand velocity and this is what is possible growth can happen mm -hmm. even in our current environment. And that's all I have to say, Rob. Well, and just so people know, um that we know what we're talking about, that you know what you're talking about. This system is responsible for over $500 million in client revenue. Yeah. That's half a billion. So I think we have a few things figured out. We have a lot to learn still. But uh, yeah, that's just the wonderful journey of e-commerce right now. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. See you later. Pop, pop.